North South Connection Podcast Network. Welcome back to Cronoso. And this is the 10th, 10th, my God, already. Look how fast, look how fast we're getting through this two-minute podcast series. Um, this is the 10th edition of Cronoso. I hope you've enjoyed the content we've been giving you so far. My name is Aaron, and the last time you heard me, um, I got to break down the very first match in Wrestle. Mania, or sorry, Michael Cole, Michael Cole version, WrestleMania history. Uh, and tonight, uh, or today, or whenever you're listening to this, um, I, it's really cool. It, it, it was totally random, but um, just because there's nine of us doing it, every cycle, which is two weeks, someone has to do two. I drew the first straw for the first person doing two. And because of that, I don't only get to do the first match in WrestleMania history. Um, it's just WrestleMania. It's one word. Anyway, uh, I don't. I didn't get to do that. I got to do that one. But I also now get to cover the very first match in the history of Saturday Night's main event. So this is the May 1985 Saturday Night's main event. And the match we're going to be covering, or I'm going to be covering today, is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the U.S. Express versus the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, and George the Goddamn Animal Steel. Now, I'll be honest, when I first saw this, I'm like, wow, this is a strange uh, choice for an opener. But we'll see how it breaks down. Um, I figure, too, since uh, this is the first Saturday Night's main event I'll cover um, anyone will cover. I'd like to look at the intro too because I find the intro to Saturday Night's main event is like almost one, like almost just as fun as the whole episode. I know when they brought it back in 2006, they really tried to recapture that quick, the quick interviews with the music and then riding into the, the theme song. So I figured I'd start from the beginning since I'm doing the opening match. Uh, right away, Cindy Lauper. The first thing you see is Cindy Lauper counseling Wendy Richter. Look, I have no idea what she could be telling her about wrestling besides maybe kick her in the coos. Uh, but obviously, obviously a great idea to make Cindy Lauper the first face you see. She's at this point like the biggest music star in the world, right? And Wendy's talking about her strategy and she says she's going to block everything. And Lauper's really concerned with Wendy Richter keeping her trunk strong. So, I mean, who doesn't want to have a strong trunk, right? Be a tree. Be a tree, Wendy. And they bring up the BAT method, which I thought, is this a Batman? Uh, no, it's just a BAT method, which stands for beaten, annihilated, and destroy. Now, I'll be honest, the tenses are all over the place. But, I mean, let's be honest here. One of them is paid to sing. The other's paid to wrestle. Whatever. It is what it is. Then we cut to Hogan, and so it's not as fast-paced, and the music isn't playing yet, which I was a bit disappointed with. So we cut to Hulk Hogan. And he goes, he goes, uh, I'm Hulk Hogan. Like, when has he ever, when has he ever, ever had to say that? Well, I wonder, is this the last time he's had to say I'm Hulk Hogan to somebody? Like, I, I imagine like when someone meets him, they like they shake his hand, he goes Hulk Hogan. He doesn't go, I'm Hulk Hogan. Everybody knows who this dude is. And I, I notice, and I, I won't mention at the end, but um, they're really, I, I think with this show, and rightly so, they're really pushing uh, for. They're really trying to get people that have never watched before. And I mean, it's obvious. It's Saturday Night's main event. It's it's taking over Saturday Night Live. But just I'm Hulk Hogan sounds weird. Later, Vince goes. This is a segment we like to call Piper's Pit. So again, they're really just 
introducing all these concepts that are already pretty ubiquitous on television by this point. Uh, Mr. T has the the widest mohawk I've ever seen, and they are just going to fuck up Piper and his lover Bob Orton. And yeah, I'll be honest, I editorialized their position on the relationship between Piper and Orton, but I, the subtext is pretty clear. Mr. T and Hulk Hogan are clear homophobes, despite their obsession with bodies and hair and gold chains and fucking... Hogan growls, and this brings us, he's like, and we're right into the Saturday Night Main Event music. And it's, I'm watching on the network, and I'm like, ugh. Not that I dislike the other, the, the second song, but the first song is classic. So I shut off the network, and I went to, I have a, a hard disc with the original on it. I don't know where I got it, but I have it. And um, just to hear Obsession, boom. It's it, just hearing it. It just pumps you up so much. It's, I imagine at the time this was a this is a great, really popular song too. Um, like it, I don't know. To this point, I mean, especially putting on Obsession. Uh, I think the package is is fun. Like the interviews are quick enough that they don't have the presentation quite down yet. It doesn't have the pizzazz. We don't hear all the people that are going to be on it. But it still makes it feel special. And to start this show, the faces do get some interview time. So Steamboat, Rotundo, and Wyndham. Um, I, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, I don't understand if you're a face team. Why on earth are you letting this fucking fat asshole Captain Lou O'Banel handle your affairs? Like this dude, the dude can't even play a decent Super Mario. And all that entails is mocking Italians and murdering turtles. Wyndham says he has the best team ever. And as he's saying that, Ricky Steamboat looks like he would be, he'd rather be anywhere else in the world. Mike Rotundo, too. And everyone on the team just looks so freaking miserable. Like, does someone have Mike Rotundo's family off camera with a gun to their heads? Like, no joke. He is just standing there staring, scared, at one spot. Like, it, his, his eyes aren't moving. He doesn't say anything, so it's not a cue card. Maybe he's reading somebody else's cue card. Maybe, like, Dick Ebersol's, like... Like, screaming at him to read the cards. I don't know. And he he's looking so long that he misses a high five. Like, he's looking and the high five comes and he has to get his hand out quick so it doesn't smash him in the face. And I guess it's because he's looking off at, like, little Bray holding up cue cards, like, with a riddle on it about Bo Dallas's location. We cut to the ring and a great... I, I love these little touches. Howard Finkel goes, Mr. Volkoff requests that you all rise and respect his singing of the National Anthem. And nothing is going to get a crowd to, to scream and yell more than you telling them to respect his singing. What a perfect way to get people to shit on it. Sheik's arms are so freaking jacked, he can't even, he can't even salute properly. Hey, Volkoff sings, sounds good. It's better than I can do. He's got that great deep voice. No wonder they made him sing Karamia. It's beautiful. Uh, Sheik then screams about Russia and Iran being number one. He spits. Then, so, full disclosure, after I listened to Obsession, I went back to the network. because the, the, the video quality is not great on my other copy. And what is the song for the faces? It's something about being born free in the USA. Who recorded this? And how, when? How? Why on earth, if you're redubbing, why, why, why would you not, why would you use this? It sounds like someone told Shane McMahon, all right, dude, you got five minutes, write a song. Uh, America, uh, something about freedom. Get out there. And so I go back to the stolen copy, and it's Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, which is like a million times better. And f but here's the thing. Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus would have been a better song for the US Express than what they picked on this redub. What is the deal? I don't want to sound like so. What's the 
deal. No. What's, what is with uh, Captain Lou Albano's elastic bands? As a child, I just kind of accepted that there was a man who had rubber bands pinned to his face. But now, what, what's happened? What is happening here? Also, could he wear something other than jogging pants and an open shirt to the ring? You're on TV, for Christ's sake, not screaming at immigrants from your porch. George Steele is having some kind of standing seizure. Like, and, and when you look at the two managers, like, who wouldn't rather have Freddie Blassie in their corner than Captain Lou Albano? I do like, as the match starts, I do like that George Steele moves like nobody else. His body's so strange. I, I, I think that's a nice touch. The referee's pants are pulled up way too high. So, and this is confusion. We're starting with Sheik and Wyndham. I don't know. How on earth did the WWF not keep Barry Wyndham? I, like, I don't get it. Sheik is bumping like crazy for Wyndham. And I, one thing that's really, I mean, I don't, I'm sure other people have talked about this, but I absolutely love how uh, Barry Wyndham hits the ropes. He's like, he's, the way he throws his whole body into the ropes, it just gives such a great velocity coming out of it. Thankfully, Mike Rotundo tags in and only lasts in three seconds in the ring before he tags out. Vince, on commentary, keeps calling Steamboat Steamer, which, I mean, you don't call a, man, a grown man, hey, Steamer, hey, Steamer, how you doing? Maybe if you're a hockey player and the guy's name was Steamboat, you go Steamer or Steamy or whatever. I mean, no matter what, no matter what, Vince is just taking this guy's dignity away. And Rotundo gets back in. I don't know what he has to do. Like, what does he have to do with the USA other than a government job later in life? George Steele, too, has so much hair. It's too much. It's too much hair. It's so much hair that I won't buy a recent figure of him because they put the hair on the figure and I don't want to touch that. Where's that hair from? I know what it looks like. We all know what it looks like. We all know where it might be from. They are killing the Iron Sheik in this match. They're just destroying him. His big reversal is an abdominal stretch, but he gets promptly hip-tossed out of it. And then everybody comes in. He did a spot where everybody comes in. The face is clear of the ring. Huge pop from the crowd. Wyndham then uh, hugs Ricky Steamboat, but Rotundo doesn't. Again, what's happening there? This is where we get a, um, a commercial break. The commercial breaks happen. I don't have... You know, I don't... Nah. Hold on. All right, I checked. Uh, sadly, my my copy does not have the commercials, and I would have gladly reviewed those for you right now because those are always great. Uh, we cut back to the ring. Uh, obviously, this is pre-taped because there's nothing missed. The crowd is chanting USA for the UX Express. I don't know why George Steele is angry and upset at the USA chant. Did he not teach USA in his classroom? Sheik is still getting killed. Steamboat hits a sweet uh, dropkick from the top rope. Nice crossbody. And then, like, on this pin, finally, Nikolai Volkov comes in to help. After five straight minutes of this Iranian getting destroyed. Um, Volkov then gets tagged in. But the karate style, according to Vince McMahon, of Ricky Steamboat gets the better of the Russian. I always liked how Nikolai Volkov's sports socks hung over his boots. I don't know why. I guess it's the practicality of needing to keep warm. Uh, Volkov is so pale, though. Like, it's like he just stepped out of a gulag uh, in Siberia. Like, for, he's been in there like 15 years. He's like, I never see son. Never. I also never see my son. I abandon him. All right. Uh, the heels are just being massacred because Volkov's taking a beating, too. Uh, and Wyndham nearly rolls Volkov out of the ring with a sunset flip. Volkov tags Steele, but it's the same. He starts getting... This is a great little spot. He starts getting beat up. George Steele starts getting beat up by Barry Windham. And then he goes to tag Volkov, but Volkov ignores him. And then Sheik presumably tells him to go fuck himself. And just like that, the poor animal's alone. Uh, Windham then just rolls him up. Um, and Steele just lies there for the three count. I don't know. I don't know. 
Like, I don't know. I don't think it was the pin that beat him. I think it was the broken heart. Crowd's going nuts for this. I, like, I guess they were onto something with this U.S. Express and this youngster Ricky Steamboat. Good victory for the faces. Uh, George Steele now cries in the corner. He starts eating the turnbuckles. I'm curious how much money that cost Vince McMahon over the year. Oh, George, foam, foam. We need to get more foam. George keeps fucking eating the foam, all right? He keeps eating the goddamn foam. I know. I know you're not supposed to eat foam, but this dude doesn't know. He's just eating fucking foam. Yes, he's going to have cancer. Yes. You can only eat so much foam before you get cancer. That's what my mother told me why my father wasn't there. Because he ate foam and, and then he got cancer. And then he showed up later. He didn't have foam. And I still haven't asked him if he got cancer or not because I stole the company from him. I stole the company. I'm not going to ask him if he eats foam. Not now. Not ever. I'm just going to back that away. I'm going to pack it away. Maybe my dad ate foam. Maybe maybe he had cancer. He didn't die from it. Anyway, he probably cost him a lot of money. I, I don't know what's happening. Like, Steele is upset. He's clearly very, very distraught. Volkov and Sheik then come in and start beating the shit out of him. But George Steele fights them off. And then Lou Albano comes in into the ring and is approaching him like he's a dinosaur from Jurassic Park. Now Albano's hugging him. I guess this is a face turn for Steele, which is like putting us on the road to that fucking loathsome cunt mine. No thank you. In the aisle, Gene is like, oh, there's mass confusion. He wants answers. And then in a great heel moment, Blassie's like, that guy's as crazy as a fruit cake. He didn't tag when he was supposed to tag. But like, it was great because he tried to tag. He's in trouble. Uh, that's the end of the segment. Uh, look, I, I thought this was fun. Like, I mean, I'm a sucker for these, like, quick six-man matches. I think they're a great way to start a show. I guess i go three stars. I mean, Sheik wasn't completely immobile yet. I think Volkov is a little underrated. I don't think he has, like, five-star matches in this era. But I do think as a tag guy who comes in with some power, there's something interesting there. And he looks and moves so differently. Steele and Rotundo were in there for, like, two seconds. I mean, Rotundo was even doing an, an impression of an exciting wrestler. So, you know, nothing groundbreaking other than it being the first match in the history of Saturday Night's main event. And like I said at the top, at first I thought it was a weird choice. Like, get Hulk Hogan out there. You know, you want to hook him? My, hey, boy. Hey, everybody. My name's Hulk Hogan. Uh, no, but in the end, great way to start a wrestling show. And uh, between you and me, I after I watched it, I had to go back to my old copy just to hear Eye of the Tiger for Hogan. I'm like, oh, I wonder if he used it. And he did. And it's freaking awesome. And uh, yeah, it's fucking amazing. So that's the U.S. Express and... Um, Ricky Steamboat against George Steele, Nikolai Volkov, and the Iron Sheik. Uh, look, Cronoso coming at you every day. We're hitting one match every day. We're going to continue this chronologically. So I hit the first match of Saturday Night's Main Event. The next one, I believe, and I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I believe it's Hogan and Bob Orton. So someone's covering that. Uh, but every other day, every day, uh, you get Cronoso. Different voice, different take, and a quick little pod blast. If you like what you heard today, my name's Aaron. You can catch me on Saturdays on No Holds Barred, which is JT and I. Uh, we are doing two long stretch projects. One, we are revising our GWWE list from 2018. Uh, GWWE was a project the Place to Be Nation did, uh, where we were ranking the greatest wrestler in WWF history. Uh, we did list five years ago, and now we're revisiting. So throughout the course of 2022, we're revisiting our lists. And uh, on the other side of that, on so that's once a month on um, No Holds Barred. We're there two times a month, and the other time, we are breaking down and ranking the every single WWF championship 
um, title change. So we're ranking in a bunch of categories, some really fun results so far, and uh, a different way to look at the, uh, uh, these changes that goes beyond just match quality. Because if we did match quality, we all know it would finish. But there's a bunch of variables in this one, so that's a lot of fun too. You can also catch me on Tuesdays, TNA Never Dies, myself, Jenny Smith, and uh, JT uh, going through the early days of TNA. I it, Look, it's just madness because... Well, it's madness. I mean, if you've seen the show, you see, like, I don't know. The minutia is too much in TNA. It's just too much. There's too much going on. But whatever. I'm, I'm not going to kill myself yet. Mondays, you'll catch me on Now Entering the Royal Rumble. That's JT and I breaking down every single competitor who has ever entered into a Royal Rumble. Uh, all their, their performances. So the first one was Bret Hart. So we did Bret Hart from 88, Bret Hart from 90, Bret Hart from 91, Bret Hart from 94, and Bret Hart from 97. So we, we do all of their appearances. Then we rank them in a bunch of categories, etc., etc. That's fun. And be on the lookout for a new solo project for myself coming up. So that's Cronoso for today. I went way too long. Excuse me. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for keeping up with the product. And um, let us know how we're doing. Take care, guys.